have been in a series that I've called Same Power, and we've been studying this power of resurrection, this amazing thing that was revealed on that first resurrection day, that resurrection Sunday. Our focus has been on this phrase that we find in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him the power of his resurrection. I'd like to ask you just to say that phrase out loud with me. Let's all just kind of get it in our hearts and ringing in our minds. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. We began this study uh, with the Apostle Paul bringing to us this moment of radical life reassessment. When the grace of God grips us, impacts us, everything changes. Suddenly the things that we counted as gain, we now realize are loss. In comparison to this overwhelming grace of the Lord Jesus. And the things that we thought were loss, many times are gain. Because in that loss we find Christ. We find the strength of Christ as never before. Paul then uh, called on us to pursue the upward call of God, forgetting what is behind. How many of you would like to forget some things that are behind? Amen. (laughs) And some of those are great things, but we get hung up in our achievements sometimes. But our, our failures, our achievements, whatever, in the past, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what is ahead, Pressing on toward the goal, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the the motion of a Christian life. And it doesn't mean that we're trying to strain to earn anything. We've been uh, impacted by this free offer of grace in the Lord Jesus. Amen? It's just the most wonderful thing. Paul then said, now you need to establish a pattern in your life, a pattern of living. He says, imitate me. But then he clarifies, it's imitate me and those who are following Christ. I think the best way to see it is imitate me imitating Christ, along with the others, the the apostles that are around you. We set our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we look to the lives of the apostles, we look to scripture, but then we, we set ourselves in the midst of people around us who are following Christ. That's the only way that we're going to make it, is to have people around us, closely around us, who are following Christ carefully. Now, Paul is going to begin to apply this truth, these truths. And he does it first in the arena of relationship. That's our message for today. Philippians chapter 4, beginning verse 1, just a few verses. But let's open our ears and our hearts to what God has to say to us today. I I bet he has something specific to say to you today. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm. Thus in the Lord, my beloved, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche, To agree in the Lord. Yes. I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. 
Now let's stand and let's give thanks to God. Father, I thank you for this word. I don't immediately know all of what it's supposed to mean. I don't know you, Odia. And I don't know Sintica. I don't know Clement. But I know you, Lord, and I pray that you will open to me and to us who these people are and why Paul would set them so prominently in his letter. Father, we give thanks on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. The apostle had been laying a foundation of knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection. And now he begins some applications. There's going to be several. Uh, But the first is the application to relationships. He's also going to talk about our personal life of prayer and praise. We're going to look at that next week. We're going to look at at what he says about our our thought life, what we set our minds on. It's so important to to receive the impact of resurrection in that area. And then the whole area of of, uh, contentment in our lives. That's where we're headed in the next few weeks. But he begins, I think, with maybe the most difficult thing in life. And that is relationships. Honestly, when you're reading through the Bible, it would be easy to skim over this part. Just go, I don't know who these people are. I don't know exactly what he's talking about. And and it sounds like there was some kind of squabble between these two ladies. Maybe it was about the church kitchen. I don't know. Um, But I think it's really important where Paul has set this for us to hear. And we don't want to miss the fact that this is about relationship. It's not about women. It's not even about these two specific women. Uh, And here we are on Mother's Day. It doesn't have anything to do with Mother's Day. But in a way it does. It has to do with relationships and family and relationships in church. And that's what we want to look at. It's not about gender or anything like that. But it is about the most critical part of our witness as the body of Christ. Paul begins with a a kind of a thick statement. He says, now stand firm in the Lord. (laughs) And and he says, my brothers whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown. Boy, he's laying it on thick, isn't he? Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. What what is that all about? And and he uses an adverb of transition, therefore. When we see therefore, we say wherefore the therefore. What is that therefore? And it's a transition between received truth and applied truth. We're moving into this application part of this letter. And based on all the things that he's just said, uh, he's saying stand firm in what you have received. Based on all all the stuff, all the leaving behind and pressing on and, and striving forward to take hold. Well, and he uses a really strong word. It's the word staco. Uh, it means be stationary, be steadfast, persevere. Now, why would he say just stand there? Aren't we supposed to move? Aren't we supposed to make progress? Aren't we supposed to move forward? And I think it's because oftentimes uh, we, we receive truth and we walk in truth, but we backslide. Anybody know what that's about? Like at first we do really great. Yeah, I'm just excited and I'm enthusiastic and I'm moving with God. And then we find, why did I go back to my old way? Why did I go back to the old way of doing things? I was doing so well there. I was in Jesus. And that's why he puts this in here. 
in a way he's saying, hang in there, stand in this truth. He said something similar in the first chapter of Philippians. He said, that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We have to stand firm in where we are in Christ. Here's what I take out of that. If the enemy cannot interrupt the truth, he will disrupt the power of the truth through conflict. And that's what was going on here. And that's what we want to be sure that we don't miss. Jesus said in uh, John 13, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. The other way we say that, they will know we are Christians by what? Come on. (laughs) They'll know we are Christians by? Not by our conflicts. Not not by how sharp-tongued we can be toward other people on Facebook. (laughs) Or all the other kinds of places. They'll know we are Christians by our love. And the enemy loves to disrupt that especially in the body of Christ. And and the enemy loves to pull us apart. Well, there was a conflict in Philippi. And and we don't know the details of it. The ladies' names were Euodia and Syntyche. Now, you know the, the rules about how to say a biblical name. How do you say a biblical name? With confidence. Just choose a way. Because I, I look online, how do you say this name? And you'll find four or five different ways. Suntuke or Suntuchi and all different ways. I like Sintika. <laughs> uh, but uh, you say it with confidence. But there was a disagreement between these two ladies. Uh, it, it doesn't matter that they were ladies. Between these two believers in the church at Philippi, there was a broken relationship. And it had apparently gotten bad enough for Paul to address it in a letter that was going to be read publicly. I, I mean, it, it's, it's tantamount to, you know, having the guest speaker come in and say, now you and you, I want to address you. This was going to be read publicly in the church. We, we know that was the practice of the day. Paul may have heard about the conflict. He may have known it was going on for years. It's about 15 years, 10 to 15 years after the founding of the church at Philippi. He may have known this was simmering for a long time and finally said, it's time to get over this. You two need to, to, to get it together. It may be that he was told about this uh, conflict by Epaphroditus, who delivered a gift uh, to the Apostle Paul. Uh, and he may, and Paul may have said, well, what about Yodia and Syntyche? Or, or Epaphroditus may have come and, and said, we're having a problem. And it, there's so many things going well in Philippi, but we still have this problem. So who were these women? We, we don't know a lot. But here's what we do know. They were central to the heart and the core of the church. I, I mean, in any church, there's, there's some people, men, there's some women, who are just at the core. Everybody knows who they are because they're at the core of leadership. They're at the core of servanthood. They're at the core of loving other people and, and doing things in the church. And Euodia and Syntyche were among these. They probably were among the first converts along with Lydia. We find the story in Acts chapter 16. Paul says that they had labored side by side with him. So that goes way back. They were there from the very beginning. They were founders. And Paul was confident that their names were in the book of life. That's a pretty big deal. 
uh, to say, I know these are Jesus people. And so why, why are you acting this way? <laughs> Yodia means prosperous journey, and Sintika means pleasant meeting or acquaintance. Uh, it almost is like serendipity, uh, a pleasant meeting or a fortunate meeting or acquaintance. They weren't really living up to those names. In verse 2, he says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Synthica. He says it separately to each one of them. He doesn't even lump it together. And this seems to be the only local problem in this church at Philippi. I mean, there were concerns over teaching, but those were people that were coming in from the outside. He talked about that. We've already addressed some of that, the false teaching things and uh, people teaching against grace. But this mattered enough that their names ended up in the Bible. How would you like to have your name in the Bible? Well, maybe not this way. (laughs) There's a lot of ways to get your name in the Bible. Uh, But this was important enough. We would say today that Paul called them out. This had gone on long enough. He says, I entreat you. The word is parakaleo. Say that with me. Parakaleo. And parakaleo means to invite or invoke I love that. It also means to call alongside. It's not just like lecturing someone. Come alongside and, and let's, let's fix this. The, the NIV translates, I plead with you. And Paul uses it twice to specifically address each of these women. Now, he's already said, stand firm. Don't backslide. And he's saying, don't backslide into this problem relationally within the church. We don't get the details on this. And I really think that's a blessing. So many places in the Bible, I say, I want to know more. And God says, no, you don't need to know more. How many of you know, most of the time, the details are not important at all? Sometimes we we hear about a conflict that's been going on, and you say, well, how did that start? Nobody really remembers how it got started. And the great thing about not having any details is that we can't dismiss it and say, well, I don't have that problem. They, they were upset about some doctrinal thing or they were upset about this, this little uh, deal within the church and, and say, well, I, I'm not concerned with that. That was something in the ladies' Bible study. You can't dismiss these things. For us, we would get hung up in the details, but we want to apply the truth to ourselves and to our our life in, in church. Paul says to them, I entreat you, agree in the Lord. It, it literally means to think in the same way. Now, does that mean give up your perspective? I don't think so. The word phroneo means to exercise your mind. It literally, Paul says, Euodian, Synthica, exercise your mind, have some sentiment. Reset your affection. Show some feeling or care. And you know, I think the way we say it sometimes is put yourself in the other person's shoes. We, we need to have some empathy for their side of things. Because so often, I don't think this was some big doctrinal deal. I, don't, I think Paul would have addressed it if it was. He would have said, Yonia, you're, you're teaching the wrong thing. You're saying the wrong thing. You've got the wrong view on this thing of grace. It's not about that. It's about having a a, a different opinion about things. Another way to say it is, Yoni Asintika, don't be so rigid and unbending. 
Put yourself in that other person's place. And more important, there is a place in Christ for you to meet. How many of you know that to be true? So many times we get so stuck in our opinion or so hurt in our feelings that that we can't just say, you know what, in Christ we can find a place to meet. It's so important for us to get a hold of that. The concern was significant enough uh, for Paul to call in a, a peacemaker. And we don't know, they talk about the language here. He says, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored by my side. And sometimes that's, that's translated loyal yoke fellow, as though it's a proper name. We don't know for sure the words are there. Gnesios and Sizugos is the right way to say it. And so um, and someone who is co-yoked, a colleague, a partner, so he's calling on someone, and, and it, it may have been a specific person, but it may have been, just, would someone step up and help if necessary? How many of you know sometimes you've got to step up and help? Sometimes we look at a situation and we say, you know what, it's, it's, this has gone on long enough, and what we need to do is get you two together. Would you come to coffee? Could we get together and talk about this thing, this disagreement that has gone on? You had harsh words. And by dealing with it early, uh, something very positive can come out of that. Loyal yoke fellow, really, I would see as an invitation to any one of us to step up as a true friend and as a partner to be a peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. I mean, you know, that's not the easiest thing to do. Raise your hand. It's so much easier just to step back, stand back, say, I don't know, that's their problem. I'm gonna... And yet things tend to fester over time. That's what Paul knew. Paul knew how easy it is for a disagreement or a conflict to, to get out of hand. A small disagreement begins to fester, and then there's hurt feelings, and things were said, but maybe they were heard differently than they were intended. And eventually there's this major conflict. And in a local body, people begin to take sides, and and then suddenly we have a a split developing. You know, one of the saddest things that I've seen over the last 18 months is I've heard of and known of churches that split over things that had nothing to do with Scripture, nothing to do with doctrine, nothing to do with grace. They split over what? They split over political opinions or they split over uh, protocols and practices. How many of you know God doesn't want us to split and divide over things such as this? Say amen. Yeah. He wants us to come together. Those things uh, in the scripture are are called uh, disputable opinions. I like what Dr. Jeremiah shared about his father's advice as a pastor. His father was a pastor. We listened to Dr. Jeremiah a lot. He said, take care of splinters and you'll never have a split. There's some wisdom in that. Every split began with a splinter. Something that could have, you know, when there was uh, uh, hurt feelings and harsh words that went on, and to step in and say, hey, you know what? I don't think you heard that the way that it was intended. Could we get together? Let's, let's work on this. Help these two. The word is a 
is not a passive word. Clasp, seize, arrest, capture means to step in. It's not passive. It's an active involvement or engagement. Seize the opportunity before it worsens. You know, one of the just really powerful ministries in the life of the church is this peacemaking. Some people are really gifted at it. I've known people that, you know, that it's just amazing. They could step in and they could just say, you know, I want to hear your side and I want to hear your side. And let's talk about this and let's see how we can come together on this situation that has been dividing the two of you. It's an active involvement and an engagement. If this letter was read aloud, it would have been apparent to everyone what needed to be done. That just would have been an amazing thing. I don't know how large of a church this was at the time, but it had you know, grown. There was a gathering of people, gathering of families. Um, and it might have brought to mind some of the things that the apostle had written to uh, the church in Ephesus. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. That's a lot of words about conflict, isn't it? There's six words describing conflict there. Bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. And sometimes I'm I'm among Christian people, I'm amazed at the kinds of words that they use about one another. We need to listen to one another and overcome those conflicts early on. Jesus said that if someone has sinned against you, you're supposed to go to them. Matthew chapter 18 gives a whole protocol about that. Uh, don't, don't, don't be going and talking to anybody else. Go to that person, and then, if necessary, go with another person. And there's a whole series of things there. Paul said in, in his letter to the Romans, don't quarrel over disputable matters. And another word for that is opinions. How many of you know we can have very different opinions about things that have nothing to do with salvation in Jesus? Say amen. That's true. Those are the matters on which we are not explicitly instructed. The truth is um, that we can have conflict in almost any relationship. When this looked like it was going to fall on Mother's Day, I thought, should I really speak about this on Mother's Day? And the truth is, you know, as I listen to families, as I hear families, there's a lot of little things that rattle around. You know, I, I, I've been in settings where they say, well, this person can't be seated with the, that person. <laughs> it's a family setting. Well, that, they just don't agree. They don't have, haven't, haven't gotten along for years. This, you know, we don't know about Neodi and Sintica. They may have been mother and daughter. They may have been sisters. They may have been related in some other way. The truth is that conflicts can enter in, and the enemy uses it, and the enemy loves it when he can divide us. So how do we go after this? How do we work on this? I'll tell you that the disagreement that grows into conflict is a victory for only one person, and that's the devil. Amen? Amen? Reconciliation is work, and we could talk for really weeks about the work of peacemaking because it's an amazing study in the Scripture. But there are four things in Scripture that I just want to lift up for you that are just really short. They're really simple. Number one is listen. You've got to listen to one another. 
A lot of times disagreements happen because we just really haven't heard the other person. James chapter 1 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's something that I've really learned, you know, especially I would say in the last year, with so many strong things going on, divisive things going on in our nation, to listen, to really hear what is being said, what's going on. Be slow to speak about those things and then be slow to anger about those things, to try to have understanding, especially within Christian community. The second is to love. First Peter 4 says, above all, keep loving one another. Above all, keep loving one another. So important. Earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. It's so very powerful. Covering a multitude of sins. There can be fractures because of sins, but love can cover a multitude of sins. The third is to seek unity. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Unity is not uniformity. It's not being all the same. But unity is is critical to our witness out in the world. We're not going to have unity with people that are pagan. We're not going to have unity with people who don't know Christ, but within the church. You know, if they're going to know we are Christians by our love, they're going to need to see unity among us. So many times, I mean, we see it where we say, you know, why don't you come to church? Well, if y'all could ever agree about things, maybe I would. Seek unity. And the fourth is, most important, is to seek Jesus. In John 17, Jesus said, I in them and you in me, talking about the Father, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. It's part of his great prayer near the end of his earthly ministry. The truth is the one place that believers can meet is in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Knowing the power of his resurrection impacts relationships. And I I would declare to you that there is no disagreement to which God cannot bring understanding. And that there is no breach that God cannot come into with healing in the body of Christ. One of the things I love about our body is there are people who who believe very different things out in the world, but they love Jesus. And so they come here and they worship and they study and we open the word of God to try to inform our varied opinions. There's no break in relationship into which God cannot breathe life and hope. And there's no relationship so dead that the power of resurrection cannot enter in. And I've seen some dead relationships that he is a God of hope. All of that is if we will receive what he has for us. If we will receive knowledge of him and the power of resurrection. So my final question is, is really the application question. This is what he's turned to, is application. What about you? That's really what, what this part of the scripture is about. 
Is there something that God wants you to deal with in your life, your family, your relationships? I would venture to say that there are some people right here among us, certainly connecting with us online, that need to make a phone call within their family or or within the church family. Maybe to say, I'm sorry. The the thing I said, we, we need to put this behind us. It may be even, you know, someone very close to us. Perhaps someone has hurt or offended you, and you need to go to them and say, I was, I was hurt when this thing happened. Perhaps you had a disagreement, and it's time to say, you know what? Let's put that behind us and find unity. You know, we both love Jesus. Perhaps God is calling you to be a loyal yoke fellow. I, I just love that phrase. To say, you know what? These two people, I'm going to try to get together with them. I'm going to try to work with them to find agreement. Because when, when we become that kind of body, wow, what a witness to the world that is around us. People won't be able to stay away. I want that will be in their heart. Our closing um, song in just a, a minute is... Is great. It's I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trying. I'm trading my my sickness. I'm trading the hurts for the joy of the Lord. We're going to talk about the joy of the Lord next week. It's going to be. It's a great part of this study. Um, but we hit this point in in the life of the body where we need to trade the things that have been pulling us down. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much that you have made your way to us by your grace. You have impacted us with the power of resurrection and a knowledge of you. God, may we walk in that and stand firm in that. Lord, we pray that you would manifest healing and grace and mercy and understanding and hope and joy in relationships that are in our families and in our church family, in the body of Christ, as a witness to this world around us that so desperately needs you, so desperately needs the gospel of grace. Lord, may we be found trading, trading the the hurts and and the, the failures of the past for the joy of the Lord. That is our prayer in Jesus' name.